On this episode of We're No Damn Experts, Rebecca and Madi have a guest that fails to tell them that they're part of the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. Best damn podcast, the best damn town. You want to get up, get ready to get down. Welcome to the greatest damn town in Montana, Great Falls. I'm Rebecca Ingham. And I'm Maricela Hazard. And we're no damn experts. And we're back in the studio after being gone for what feels like a month. Even though you guys didn't notice. You you didn't notice a thing. No. (laughs) But it's summer here and everywhere else in the northern hemisphere. So uh, we've been taking some time off enjoying what Montana has and what our neighboring areas and love it. And spending time with family. So today we brought a special treat for you. And for us, we brought in uh, the what we're calling, because we're no damn experts, we can make up whatever names we want, the fly fishing director of Great Falls, Montana, Fred Talene. Hello, everyone. Yes, pass the test. <laughs> I'm Fred. And I said the name right. You so. did, yeah. All we right. practiced I got it a little wrong. nervous. So, Fred, um, as you noticed, uh, my water bottle from, you know, the cheese head. Yeah, I was excited about that. I, you know what? Um, I grew up south of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. You know, you're from there. I but... grew up on the north side of Milwaukee. Okay. Um, well, not in Milwaukee, a town about an hour oh, south. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, um, but I've heard from other people in Great Falls that you can make a large neighborhood or maybe even an entire city, if you can find all of Montana, of displaced Wisconsinites that come from Wisconsin to Great Falls. Right. Well, I have noticed um, in on the weekends and in the, in the uh, football season, there's a lot of Packer fans in this town, which oh, I, yes. which is pretty nice. Yeah, my husband is from Dallas, so we always uh, count how many bumper stickers we see for the Cowboys versus the versus Packers. Packers. Packers always win. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what brings you out to Great Falls and being now the director of the fish here? All right. <laughs> well, my, uh, my story after the Midwest in Wisconsin went to Alaska for quite a while. Okay. I, uh, Started uh, a fishing business in in uh, 2000 after spending uh, about 10 years working for another business up there. Okay. And then when when I started that business, my wife's like, "Well, we don't have to live in Alaska since your business is essentially seasonal." And so we were looking for some other options, and she found a teaching job in Great Falls, which I was pretty thrilled with because next to my uh, Kenai River in Alaska, the Missouri River has been my other favorite place. And it has now become my home water. So I absolutely love the Missouri River. And that is a big reason that I'm here in Great Falls. Awesome. Did you do fly fishing in Alaska too? I did. Absolutely. I I did all types of different fishing. I did some saltwater stuff and some general gear stuff, but I was a straight up fly fishing guide for 16 years. Oh, wow. Running my own business. And then in Wisconsin, did you do fly fishing or was it more of the... I just kind of barely touched on it, but my very first fishing trip was actually in Montana in the Beartooth uh, Mountains doing back when I was 21 years old and that kind of set the hook and then I had to come back to Montana. I love it. I love the puns. (laughs) So what do you call fishing that's not fly fishing? Like you get on the lake with your beer and well, and we we fun. say general fishing or we say gear fishing. Okay, gear yeah. fishing. Okay. Yeah, and there is no like, I mean, some people have kind of a stigma 
between fly fishing and, and general fishing or gear fishing. It's like, as far as I'm concerned, all fishing is good. Yes. But I prefer to fly fish. Okay. I like to bass fish. Mm-hmm. I like the top water. Oh, yeah. I like bass. They're fun. We did a lot of fishing when I went back home, and I fed the family with panfish. So, mm-hmm. Oh, that's good, too. Um, yeah, getting, you know, great northern up there. Yep. Um, I don't think I'm going to be one of those people that ever fly fish, but, you know, my friend, like Christian, he yeah, knows you. we could change that. I mean, I don't think I'm going to be good at it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of art and skill mm-hmm. to it, and these are if, <laughs> two if, things I don't possess. If you come over to North 40 and each give me 15 minutes, I will have you casting a fly line 30 feet with no oh. problem at all. This oh. sounds like great how, content okay. for us. How many lips are we going to hook? <laughs> well, we'll start out with a piece of yarn. Okay, so. oh, because that's a good start. <laughs> whenever I go fishing with my husband, um, he grew up fishing. Every photo of that man since birth is just him with a fish. Right. Um, I think he thinks I'm trying to catch trees because... <laughs> You know, gear fishing, you get it stuck in there, and there's like 19 hooks or whatever, six, and it's set. So um, he's been involved in some monthly subscription uh, gear for gear fishing just uh-huh. because he needs it, not because for fun, but because his <laughs> wife loses, loses it all. Loses all the lures, right? But here at the North 40 Fly Shop, you're there to answer the questions for everybody. Mm-hmm. And well, we, we have a general fishing department, okay, and we have a fly shop, so we have both. Oh, so you're the one creating the segregation. <laughs> well, it, they are they are spread apart, and, okay. and we do that on purpose just because it's, for some people, it's a little confusing when they're combined. Um, yeah, I would. And also, uh, it's just to differentiate, you know, we do have these two styles, we do have these two complete inventories, mm-hmm. but there is some cross, and, and I mean, I'm always willing to go over and help out on the other side. I don't know if those guys care to help on my side, but I, I know how to do, I know how to spool reels and I know um, spinning rods and casting rods and how to troll and all those things. Okay. I just would really wish those guys would try fly fishing because it's way more fun. That's all <laughs> I have to say. Why, why do you say it's more fun? Yeah. Because you get a, to wear the waders? So, well, that's that can be fun. Um, I think the outfits are a lot of... We like outfits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we have the best outfits. So, I mean, we got that going. Well, I don't know. Because if I do general fishing, I can wear whatever. But if I'm fly fishing, we can dress up as fly fishing bunnies. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. I mean, you the get to wear waders. and... Um, you can but, wear a vest or you can wear a pack or you can, I mean. And, and fly fishers really do have the coolest tackle boxes. Okay. In I terms mean, of the, the gear packs and stuff? The pretty or little the, thing that holds your flies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. We've got lots of choices. we got you know, graphically some. designed ones. Okay. We have one at North 40 where we have the Tombstone Cowboys with fly rods. Oh. Like they're going to the OK Corral, you know, ready to lay got... it down, but they got fly rods. So for those of you who don't know what North 40 is, it is one, well, it's, there are two stores here in Great Falls, and it is gear for everything. Um, you're going to go fishing, electrical, horse, uh, cows, clothes, cows. Yeah. Like if well, girl... basically our tagline is we have everything for work and play. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ranch where it's a ranch outfitters and outdoor store. So yep. moving here uh, from Wisconsin, I was like, "What is this place?" And I walk in, I'm like, "Oh, it's similar to a Farm and Fleet or mm-hmm. a Menards, um, but with better clothes, better <laughs> so, clothes, and better sporting goods." Yeah, um, <laughs> because the clothes there are, are, you know, something for a fly fishing bunny that could wear. So. All joking aside, um, what is the thing that connects you to fly fishing? And it doesn't have to be the outfits. Right. Gotcha. Well, so just to give a little overview of fly fishing, number one, the question before was, you know, what about it? Um, 
I think it's just more interesting than okay. other styles of fishing. Uh, I related a little bit to archery versus gun. Oh, I mean, okay. if you're a good shot, you can stand, you know, you can glass out a animal that's 700 yards away and doesn't even know you're in the same zip code and boom, you pull the trigger and down it goes. You don't do that with a fly rod. You got to learn more. You got to get closer just like you would with a bow. Um, it just immerses you way deeper into the process of going fishing. Man, you are full so. of puns because you're literally <laughs> deeper in the water. Yeah. Well, before we started, and you he get right in the water. So. He yeah. talked about teaching, so that sounds like a professor to yeah. me. Yeah. I'm the director of fly fishing. So. Right for the whole city. <laughs> well, I took it as the director of fish that you are so successful at fly fishing that you're literally telling the fish where to go. My hook. Like <laughs> you know, that is something I've been working on, and occasionally I feel like I'm getting there, but then they all sudden you know change their behavior and it stumps me once in a while so go ahead i'm sorry we keep, we keep interrupting you just because you're you're so well spoken <laughs> so on the track of of fly fishing just being interesting and and i mean it's just an immersion thing and and my wife could explain where you know i'm going fishing i'm just gonna i'm gonna run down by the central bridge and you know look for a carp and suddenly i'm gone for five hours because yeah. it's just like when i get in that that fishing zone it's kind of a flow state where you know, you just, you're focused on what you're doing and time ceases to matter. And it's all about the quest of what you're doing. And, um, there isn't really anything in my life or I know a lot of other people that I know that have that complete immersion where you can just plug in and, and just go. And then, you know, occasionally you have to plug back out again, which isn't awesome, but it, it you know, it's, it's something that's really accessible too. So you're able to do it if you choose to, I mean, I fly fish probably five days a week. Um, I don't have to do, I can do it on a work day. I can do it for two hours in the morning or an hour in the evening or, or whatever. So um, it's just becomes a lifestyle. So this plugging in and plugging out, Christian, mm-hmm. like a fellow. Uh, fly fisher. Yes, friend. fly fisher, you know, our uh, tie, what do you call it? Fellow mutual trade, friend. Mutual friend, there we go. He has done that before. Mm-hmm. He's plugged into fishing. Yep. We've been concerned. Oh, like, yeah. There's been text <laughs> messages, phone calls, let's yeah. get in our car and let's go right. look for him. And then when he does emerge, he's like, look at the fish I caught. Yeah. And you can't be mad at him nope. because he's so happy. <laughs> and my other friend has done that with hunting too. So I definitely understand when someone has emerged in that outdoor experience, they don't have the phone dinging away at them. They can just enjoy the moment. And that moment yeah. is pretty long. Yep. Where's your favorite spots to fish? Ooh, that is a uh, somewhat loaded question. I mean, there are, um, I, I enjoy literally just walking up and down the, the shorelines here in Great Falls, which a lot of people don't realize you can do. And, and the species I'm fishing for when I'm doing that are common carp, which most people don't even look at as a fish t- to try to catch. But um, it is super fun to chase them because you visually spot them. So it's like hunting. And then you've got to cast your fly to where you can actually see the fly. And the fly generally imitates a crayfish or something, you know, in the aquatic realm that they could be feeding on. And I mean, I can do that for hours. And so that's something, again, that's really accessible and, and close by. Um, the Missouri River, obviously, from Great Falls going upstream toward the mountains, um, has all kinds of opportunity. And so I do most of my trout fishing about, you know, 30 to 50 miles upstream from here. Uh, I also go down below Moroni Dam and the last of the Great Falls and fish for other species down there, smallmouth bass and the other day I went down there, I caught smallmouth bass, I caught catfish, I caught carp, I caught gold eye, and caught drum. So five different species all on a little fly that looked like a crayfish. <laughs> and there was nobody else around. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Wow. That is what I love about the Missouri River. Like, 
you never some you never know what you're gonna pull out of the water sometimes. There there are a lot of variety of fish in this river, so And then you start to think, why are you eating that? Like <laughs> you weren't supposed to be interested in that. <laughs> we had uh we had Mike Hallahan who is up with NBAR and then uh, Seth Swingley on the podcast and we were talking about our downtown summer jams mm-hmm. and some of the artists that came and the artists, I forgot which one it was, but they wanted to go fishing here. And right. there was someone in the community that took them out, told them where to go. And the artist couldn't believe, like, oh, my goodness, he's actually taking me fishing. Right. You know, it's a ne- unique feature of a community because normally when you ask someone, where did you catch this fish? And the answer is, like, on the lip. Mm-hmm. They don't want to tell you where. They want to share um, I know in other places I have traveled, not to criticize other fishermen, I understand wanting to keep your secret, right. just like Rebecca's husband wants to keep his hunting spot to himself. And it's such a beautiful photo. He won't let her <laughs> share a photo of him right. in a field. Well, if you see the picture and you recognize it, you know, and if you don't recognize it, you don't. So. I don't there's no, it's <laughs> not like a sign. That's <laughs> So other places where we've gone fishing and we or we see people fishing and we're not participating, we're like, oh, did you catch anything, any luck? Some of them are well, um, some of them answer with tongue in cheek. Sure. Yeah, they're not yep. too happy. They don't want to in tell you river. anything. In the river. I caught it in the water. <laughs> yep, exactly. And then around here, like at Giant Springs State Park, the people that go fishing in the Missouri, they're like, oh, yeah, I caught this, that, and the other. And then right. um, even past the fish hatchery where there's more people who fly fish, they'll gladly tell you like where to go, what they're using, because it's the longest river in North America. Right. I'm pretty sure there's some, some fish for everybody. Yep, it is. I mean, literally, it is the longest river in North America, and it's pretty special to be right in a prime portion of it. So. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Rebecca touched on it earlier that you do some instructing. Is that with North 40, or is that on your own accord? Well, it, for 26 years, I was essentially a full-time guide. Um, since, you know, now I work full-time for North 40, um, I do some other, you know, side stuff. I, I work for uh, ranches at Belt Creek and do some guiding for them. And okay. oh. I occasionally, you know, do some do some special education or, or fishing, um, you know, casting lessons or something for some independent um, people that they, if they're asking for it. But in general, North 40 is, is where I work and, and um, we're basically open, open door. Anyone that walks in and wants help, we're there to help. Um, I can, we have an outdoor casting lane spot, so we can literally take people out the door. I had father and son out that just moved to Montana, and they were buying their first fly rods, and I spent a, about 45 minutes with them before I came in here and taught them how to cast, and so they're, they're ready. ready to head out and, and go fish Be master right now, fishers. So, <laughs> so you yeah. can catch any kind of fish on fly fishing. You can. I, one of my favorite sayings, and I, I didn't come up with it, but it, it's a, a fly doesn't have to be a fly to be a fly. Okay. I mean, essentially anything a fish will eat, we create as a fly. Um, that might be a crayfish or a leech or a minnow or a baby bird or an eel. I mean, anything a fish might eat, we can make a fly to look like that that uh, food source. And oh. then we cast it with a fly line. So that's the difference between fly fishing and spinning or casting. Um, you actually cast the, the fly line and it carries the fly to the fish, whereas when you use a spinning rod, you throw the lure and it pulls the the line behind it. So that's oh, the difference. Yeah. Okay. But as far as the fly itself, it's it's a little bit of a misnomer. People think it's only a bug, but that is not true. So what's the best fly out there? <laughs> that is an impossible question. It's a very simple, obvious one to ask. Um, when people come in and ask that in the fly shop, I've got over 2,000 different fly patterns that we sell. Um, there are, I don't even have half of what are available in the market. Um, I, I basically spend hours and hours curating the ones that I think are going to be the best for our area or for people that are traveling. 
um, that come through our shop. But uh, it's it, the time and the place and the location are all key as to what fly is going to be the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, for customers coming in, when they ask that question, I ask them questions back. Where are you going fishing? What time of day are you fishing? Um, where you're fishing and the time of day have a huge impact on what is available to the fish. So um, the more I, information I can get from them on what they're doing, the better I can prescribe the right flies. I am going to tell a funny story, and it'll probably work for me for fly fishing as well. When I go general fishing or gear fishing, right, I will buy lures based on how cute they are. There you are. go. Yep. And my husband freaks completely out. He's like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> what do you think you're going to catch with this? I'm like, whatever wants to eat it. It's a cute lure. It's going to work. And so when we go fishing and I put my cute lures on... I catch more fish than he does. It's because you you're confident. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a big part of it. <laughs> and so um, this one very large walleye I caught, he's like, what'd you catch that on? I said, nothing you've got. <laughs> and so I show him my cute purple lure and he's like, God, why is anything eating that? And yeah. I'm like, because it is cute and fish like cute it lures. Uh, yeah. I like wacky worms. Like I said, top water spinners. Oh, yeah. So I can get pike on spinners or yeah. bass, you know. Um, I guess I'm just intimidated probably by the fly fishing. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of people are. I know how to fix a crazy um, tangle with a rod, a spinning rod. Mm-hmm. You cut the line. <laughs> um, I see fly fishing getting a little bit more complicated because there's I'm in the water, trying to look cute in the waders, and <laughs> and when I'm getting I rope in it, it's like ribbon dancing but for fishing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not good at ribbon dancing. <laughs> Is there some type of beat that you would want to move the the rod to some type of method well, if, <laughs> if if you watched river runs through it some years ago um i mean he talks about using a metronome which most people don't even know what that is and yeah. means nothing to me i mean it's a musical thing um <laughs> the reality is the distance the, the length of your fly line indicates your timing because of course the more line you have out the longer it takes to travel in one direction or the other. So there's a lot of different factors. But the, the key when you make a casting stroke is there's a start and there's a stop. And what a lot of people don't realize when they pick up a fly rod for the first time and it's not intuitive, they just start waving their arm back and forth and they yeah. never stop. So the line has no defined direction of travel and just waves around and turns into a big mess. Oh. Or it just flops and then they try to throw it harder and faster, which is exactly the opposite of what you need to do. And so um, fly casting is very basic very simple physics. I didn't think physics was cool in high school, but when I became now a fly fisherman, I'm like, whoa, this is, <laughs> amazing. this is amazing. Exactly. And so, there, again, there's just a couple simple principles that we can show you. I mean, you can look at videos on YouTube or you can read about it, but literally having someone spend 15 minutes and showing you or even holding your arm and actually taking it through the motion, then it just is it like instantly clicks. And once you know what you're trying to do, then you can practice. People come in and they're like, oh, I'm going to buy a fly rod and go practice and get good at it. It's like, no, you won't. You can't practice until you know what you're going to practice. Okay. So I'm, I'm adamant about trying to give people information before they walk out the door so that they can actually right. improve, and then they're going to love it, and then they're going to keep fishing, and then they're going to keep supporting our fly shop. So. Okay, so I know what some content we're going to have to collect soon. Rebecca learning how to fly fish. All right. I will go and do that with you. Okay, we'll do it together, and then we'll browse the, the bunny section. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've talked a lot about like new fly fishers and obviously this area has to be known to people who are already fly fishers as well much like yourself so tell us about 
why this is a question we always get so i'll be at a trade show and they're like oh you're from montana i fish the madison all the time sure. and i'm like well do you fish the missouri mm-hmm. they're like no i've never heard of it i'm like how have you never heard of it so what would it be to get someone excited about coming to the missouri river versus all the other rivers in montana that you could fish gotcha well i mean there are a ton of good rivers in montana and they're all worth fishing but here's an interesting thing if you're a guide on the Madison River, where do you go when you're not guiding? Where do you go to come fun fish? Or maybe you take your clients also to the Missouri. There are almost no guides in the Missouri River that take their clients to the Madison or go fish the Madison. Uh-huh. Everybody else comes to the Missouri. I mean, the Missouri is like the kind of the grail of all fly fishing waters in Montana. Um, it's the most consistent fishing throughout the season. I mean, you can literally just about fish 365 days a year. I mean, obviously, when it's 20 below, you might not go, but I've Find gone a lot. I've gone when it's zero before and caught fish just to see if I could do it. Um, as long as it's close to freezing or, or uh, above freezing, which is most of our year, mm-hmm. you can fish the Missouri. In the spring and the fall, when some rivers are not in good shape because of runoff or they're too low, usually the Missouri is, is fishable. And so it, it draws people from our state as well as people from all over the country and world. So this, if the answer might be no, that's fine. You know, if there's a need for it, maybe the answer will be yes one day. Do you guys rent rods? We don't currently rent any tackle. Okay. Kind of just a space thing. I mean, we've got so much stuff. It's well, yeah, if you have 2,000 <laughs> flies, like where else are you going to put Well, they don't take but up that much space. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, so um, just to give a frame of reference on, I mean, a lot of people view fly fishing as being so expensive. And it's picking up a fly rod is more expensive than picking up a, the lowest priced spinning rod. Um, if you're willing to put in about $200, you can get a fly rod, you can get a couple flies, you can get a few things to get going. You could probably do about the same thing with 50 bucks in the in the general gear department. But one of the things that makes me laugh is I'll see the walleye guys come in and they'll look at the rods and they'll go, these are so expensive, as they take their $100 rods and they jump in their $70,000 boat that they have to fill with $100 worth of gas. I was just and gonna, so I'm like, yep. you know, it's like I spend, I've got about $10,000 invested and I've got enough fly fishing gear to last me the rest of my life. And you guys spend that much in a year on your boat. <laughs> well, in general fishing, I have two different rods just to fish the same body of water. Right. So. Yeah. I Well, three, technically. We had five people on the boat in Wisconsin. And because that, that's the last time I went fishing. And I think we had 12 rods out. Mm-hmm. It was horrible because um, everyone's like, look at the bobber, look at that bobber, and this and that. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, my husband is one of those guys who likes to gear fish. Right. He does fly fish too. Both, you know, I think are expensive because I don't do, I mean, I like to fish. I'm just not out there researching. Avid, you know? right. Not, yeah. Um, but sure enough, um, I bought him a boat. That's boat, boat's more expensive yeah. than any rod. And <laughs> it just... You, the more you like the hobby, the more right. you're going to put money Now, I'm not it. saying you shouldn't have a boat if you're a fly fisherman or you shouldn't have 12 rods if you're a fly fisherman because you should definitely have those things if you can, but you don't have to to get into the sport. I mean, you can start out to with start. one rod and in the summertime, you know, a pair of flip-flops or, you know, just something, old pair of tennis shoes to get in the water and, and you can go. So. so you don't even need waders. Okay. No, no. No, we need the outfit. <laughs> Come September, you'll need waiters. Yeah. Well, we want the outfit, okay? Because we have these stunning photos of gentlemen fly fishing the Missouri at sunset. And I, I swear it's a painting, the mm-hmm. colors that are there. I don't know how they're paying attention to fishing when the scenery looks like that. And they're oh, wearing waders. I know. So um, if they were, it's fine. Like we said, people go um, snowboarding at Showdown Montana in jeans. 
fine, great. But I think the photo would look prettier if he had like a psychedelic awesome <laughs> outfit um, like I'm planning to get. So, <laughs> But that's me. Do you participate in any other outdoor recreation or are you just all the time fish? Well, the answer is almost all the time fish now. In my, my history of, as an outdoor recreation person, I used to be an alpine skier, cross-country skier, alpine climber, rock climber. Um, I mean, I, I used to mountain bike like crazy. I mean, I did a lot of things. And then when I started raising a family and my kids got into sports, they pretty much consumed all the air and resources. And so fishing was the one thing I could hold on to. Yeah. And now that they're both out of the house and off to their adult lives, I just fish all the time. That's awesome. <laughs> whenever I try it, well, whenever we do hike as a family, my husband's like, I think I think I'm going to bring a rod with me. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to. You know, I have a collapsible one. I'll put it in the backpack. I'm like, it's fine. Bring the rod. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not carrying it. But, you know, he wants to um, fish wherever we can. We were at the sluice boxes. We did a hike down to the sure. pool. And he said that he heard that the mining there years ago affected the acidity in the water. Mm-hmm. And it's not that great for fishing. But then well, we, we saw some guys nearby and they said no problem catching them. So it, it does have a mining history. Um, there has been a lot of work done over the years to improve that water quality. And it is an absolutely, I mean, it's kind of one of our closest gems to Great Falls. Um, it's, it's a beautiful spot, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's good fishing through that whole canyon. And uh, I usually spend, uh, oh, maybe... 12 or 15 days a year, you know, hiking up and down that canyon and fishing. Awesome. So So now that we're talking about fishing and you're, if you're coming to Montana, you, hopefully you're an expert. What kind of license do I need to fish these waters? And if, does Montana recognize any other licenses? No, I mean, you need a a state Montana fishing license. Um, You don't have to have a special trout stamp or anything. So it's a general fishing license. Uh, A lot of people, you know, these days you can just about get everything online. So you can, before you even come to Montana, you can go online and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, most retailers can sell licenses at the store. So, okay. um, I mean, we do have lots of people that come into North 40 to buy their fishing license. And then, of course, look for information on, on where to go fishing once they do. So, And I hope people, I hope people know the severity of not having a fishing license. If you were to be checked, I mean, there would be a, a fine involved. It's I don't know how strict it is. You'd go to fish jail. Well, (laughs) I know in Louisiana, um, my husband thought he had a fishing Uh license. He did not. Mm. Um, And I thankfully I wasn't fishing. They're like, you're not? I'm like, no, I'm just watching. Okay. Um, But they have the right to take your boat. You know, the game game warden can take your boat right then and there if you don't have it. So thankfully, um, they were nice enough to have Mark pull up his phone, buy one right then and there on his phone. And you're good to go. Um, but you know, it's it's how how much is it? I I don't know what the what the exact. I mean, it's, I wouldn't even consider fishing without a license, so I've never even yeah, looked. But I think it's like what thirty five seven dollars. If that, it's just it's super easy, cheap. And people, um, we get this question a lot when we're up in Canada. What is an international fly fishing license or an international fishing license? And uh, I've never heard of one, but that would be awesome. <laughs> it is the same as an. It's all out of state. You yeah. get an either an in-state fishing license or an out-of-state fishing license. And whether you're out of state in Washington or out of state in Alberta, right? It's out of state. Right. Okay. And then another question, because we are trying to have people recreate responsibly, can you tell us about the hoot owl? owl? Hoot owl, the okay. owl loss. Well, what, what is it called? Hoot owl. Basically, the, the hoot, hoot owls are eating all the fish, and so we don't want. 
<laughs> Along with the Missouri yeah. River octopus. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of things. So the, the hoot owl, the the name that comes from the time when loggers used to go when it was dry conditions like it is now. They used to only work early in the morning, so they were less likely to to start a fire. Um, you know, so early they they heard the owls. The idea on the fishing side now is that our waters in a hot summer, especially when the waters are low, they warm up throughout the day. And so water temperatures by the middle of the day can be too warm for trout to survive or survive being caught and released. Okay. So the idea is that when the Hudal regulations go into effect, there's no fishing from uh, essentially midnight until the following, or excuse me, from 2 p.m. until the following day at midnight. Uh, okay. So you could start fishing at midnight if you wanted to, but essentially you're looking for that coolest water period, and it essentially ends at 2 p.m. Okay. Now, beyond that, uh, I actually recommend that people get their own thermometer, and they Mm -hmm. take the temperature of the water they're fishing in. And if that water is exceeding 67 degrees, no trout fishing. Okay. So that is kind of the the cutoff for if you catch a fish at 67, 68 degrees, um, it's going to fight hard, but it just may not be able to recover enough oxygen to survive after you let it go. It may even swim away, but people don't realize that it's it's probably not going to make it. So um, we just have to monitor ourselves. And, and I've certainly been doing a lot of that, sending posts on social media and doing little videos on, you know, here's a thermometer, drop it in the water. Here's the temperature. Oh, it's 11 a.m. I can still fish. Oh, it's 1230. Nope got to be done. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Well, and it's such an important factor because again, (laughs) being responsible when you recreate, you're in their living room, you're in the fish's living room, you're disrupting their day, their dinner time with their family. What jerks. I I like to (laughs) look at it like we're providing them with good exercise. Yes. You know, this is their workout for the day. But if it's too hot, we've all been too hot as humans. Yeah. Yeah. Just laying on the floor of your house, hoping that eventually the freeze comes. That's what the fish are doing when the water gets too warm. They're like, oh, my God. And that's where they live. So please. Let them live. (laughs) Did the majority of people uh, practice catch and release? The majority of fly fishermen do. Um, Fly fishing is, you know, considered more of a... You know, mm-hmm. a sport or a pastime uh, than a gathering. Okay. Um, now I know fly fishermen that that definitely go out occasionally to catch some fish to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, one interesting thing, so I'll just add this. So, in Montana, all flowing waters, streams, rivers, are generally wild in terms of the fish they are naturally reproducing. The state does not stock fish in the rivers. They do heavily stock our reservoirs. And so the reservoirs are a great place to go if you want to catch fish to take for dinner. So you can go to Holter and you can catch your limit of five big fat trout and take those home and they taste better than the ones you're going to catch below the Holter Dam in the river anyway. Okay. So, and they're pretty easy to catch at times. So I always encourage people if they want trout to eat, don't go to Belt Creek and take, you know, from a very small little window of, of water where there's only a couple hundred fish per mile, go to the lake where they just stocked 100,000 in last year and now they're already five pounds and... You know. That makes sense. I mean, more bang for your buck. And yep. it sounds like a cool fight, too. Yep. I'm going to ask a stupid question. That's all right. This whole podcast has been that. What's <laughs> the best fly? Shouldn't, shouldn't no have announced questions. it. <laughs> Just should have flown with it. Um, so you can fly fish in a lake? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. But I know. You just go up on the shore and they're... <laughs> you can go on the shore or you can go out in a boat. Yeah. You can fish below the surface. Whoa. You, go, you, you, use, you stand in the boat and you fly fish off it. Huh, just like you would. Like gear fishing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We have fly lines that sink. I, I have fly lines that will easily get me down 20 or 30 feet deep. Because Holter's deep. 
Yeah. That's... Well, and there's a lot of lakes around here that they get deep. Yeah, I don't. I look at the fish finder because obviously my husband has one. It doesn't work, um, <laughs> at least not for the name. And I'm like, how deep is it here? Like, that's I, what I use the fish finder for too. It's just the depth. Yeah, so my husband's like, how deep is the river? Is a question that we commonly hear when we're on the water with with people. They just look around. They're like, how deep is the river? And I go from the top all the way to the bottom. I love you know, it. It's not the same everywhere, so there's like no answer. I can't say it's two feet deep, or I can say it's four feet deep right here, but right, you know, it's it, it changes. It changes, yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> well, and that was I got a question one time: How wide is the Missouri River? I'm like, well, it varies, <laughs> like any other river. <laughs> like sometimes it's super wide, sometimes it's not. It's <laughs> bigger than most. I don't creeks. know. I love it. I love these questions. I just want to look at these people. Like, could you repeat that? No, no. Say it again until you understand what you're asking. I just sat there and I'm like, uh, it's a river. Like, well, I don't so know. I, this is completely out of the, the Montana realm. But when I was guiding in Alaska and I was in a boat on the ocean and people are looking up at the, the tall mountains, they go. What's the elevation here? <laughs> so, well, we're level. about three feet off the water. So, yeah, it's about three feet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so you said you can fish the Missouri about 365 if you're up for the mm-hmm. cold. If you're not a seasoned Montanan, mm-hmm. um, when would you suggest someone that wants to enjoy fishing while not bundling up? Sure. I, you know, I would say the normal heavy fishing season would be May through September. Okay. Um, and then ice fishing. Do you know anything about that? I've done it. Do it's, you it's like it? It's kind of a strange thing, but no, it's, it can be fun. Um, okay. If if it's so cold for like three weeks in a row that I haven't been able to go fly fishing, I will ice fish. You're like, I need to get that. But I, that's, 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 it usually takes me about two to three weeks of not being able to fish before I'm like, all right, I'm ice fishing. All right. And then... <laughs> do you take your fly rod when you ice fish or do you get an ice fishing rod? So I usually, you know basically drill a big hole and stand about 30 feet back and then cast my fly into the hole. Okay. That's oh, precision that's work. <laughs> that's some talent. Yeah. All right. You, I, well, I bet you'd be good at the Montana State Fair winning a goldfish. There we go. Um, <laughs> my daughter did the, she's three, she tossed the uh, ball into the cup the first time. Uh-huh. And I told the women, nope, we're not taking a fish home. Like, keep the fish, <laughs> give it to someone else, but we're just doing this for fun. Um, and then another question. So it was win and release. Yes, yeah, so win and release. I <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, Perfect. I, I'm, because you're not dumping it in the water. We've learned not to no, do that. No, that. that would be an invasive bad, species. Bad, bad. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I've said this before. You know, I, I'm going to tell these women at the state fair, like, yeah, my daughter will have cotton candy, but could you take that bag in the back and remove 98% of it <laughs> yeah. so she doesn't see me do it? And they're like looking at me like, what kind of? She's three. She doesn't yeah. need this much. Um, but Rebecca does this prehistoric fish uh, fishing every year. Paddle oh, fishing. Oh, paddle fishing. Paddle yep. fish. Have you done that? I have not. I am familiar with it, though. Okay, because I've seen the pictures, mm-hmm. and they're huge, ugly fish. Well, or gorgeous. Yeah. Or, okay. Well. Um, yeah, paddle fishing, we go every year. I haven't caught one in a while. We do catch and release with our paddle fish as well. Most of the time, because nobody has a tag, mm-hmm. <laughs> so okay. it's, it's kind of a social event, correct? It is yeah. extremely social for us. My husband, when he goes just alone, less social. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just so much fun, and it's a snag snag right. system. Um, okay. So you, they're plankton eaters. And one of the big things that I do want to share about paddle fishing, 
don't grab their nose. So they've got this big, long nose, and that's where they sense all of the food. Oh. All their nerve endings are there. Don't touch their noses. So you can damage Because a it. lot of people, yeah, will pick them up holding their nose and their tail. Oh. And that's just bad for them. Yeah. So. Okay. Public all right. service. But they're super, super fish. old. Yeah. yeah, I remember the first time holding... I think it was a pike. I don't uh-huh. know, there's a photo taken, and my husband's like, "Do not post this picture. You are, you are horribly handling this fish." <laughs> and towards the end of the trip, I'm, you know, awesome at it. Of course, sticking my arms out at full length, so the fish looks even bigger. Right. And so, getting the camera lens as close as possible. Yep. So we're good on those fronts now. <laughs> we don't have the time to do that with a paddlefish. We hold it. Like a baby. <laughs> like a baby. <laughs> well, and then it flops back into the water. Like, did you get that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Fred, we're going to wrap this up, but I want to give you one opportunity or one more opportunity um, to tell anyone listening, because we do have listeners out there, number one podcast in Montana, um, to give them insight on fishing in Montana that or Great Falls that they may not know. If, if they're going to glance over the map, sure. what's one thing that they should know? Well, I mean, one thing about Great Falls as a as a location is that within a radius of Great Falls, there's just a ton of opportunities. When I first came to Great Falls, especially coming from Cooper Landing, Alaska, and coming to Great Falls, I was kind of looking around, and I wasn't immediately captivated. But the longer I've spent here, the more I've realized how awesome this place is. And um, I mean, it it's not flat, but it tends to not look really. Um, textured until you just drive a little way from the interstate and you realize there's canyons and coolies and streams and bluffs and i mean the the missouri river changes character when you go upstream or downstream and then you've got the rocky mountain front the little belts the high woods i mean there's just i mean i i when i have a day off i open up the map sometimes i'm just like what am i going to do which am i going to choose there's so many choices well do you like otter creek is that i I fished otter creek um there's belt creek there's uh, highwood creek i mean those are you know, some, some little satellite streams that are close to us that are pretty awesome. Do you okay. fish the Sun River? Shh. Yeah. No, no, I, <laughs> Marias River? Yeah, I fish the Sun River. I fish the Marias River. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. Yeah, because we went to High Woods. We did a hike, and Christian led us to some old dam. Mm-hmm. And we caught plenty of fish there. They yep. had tons of fun. They had their fly rods, and I was able to set up hammock and enjoy the day. Well, that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, both entertain. I didn't have to... <laughs> fish (laughs) as we close what's the craziest thing that ever happened to you on the river oh wow and if it has Um, to do with a lion we're gonna edit this out (laughs) yeah Yeah, well there's there's a couple things that i i can't can't quite share articulate or share um that's fine i mean i've had i've had moose and bear encounters in the in the water actually had them swimming right next to the boat before and and surprisingly or very close, and and that's it's always interesting to see the reaction that people uh, people have. Well, like, yours included. I almost had almost had a bear fall into my boat out of a tree one time, and we were like we were going along, and all of a sudden there was bark coming into the boat, and I looked up, and there was a bear just about to fall off a branch into the boat, so I had to quickly move, and then he <laughs> fell right next to the boat in the water. So, <laughs> so those are interesting. Bear droppings. So I, I've had lots of crazy wildlife things, and then I've had some strange people things, but some of those I I can't really articulate. Okay, we've had <laughs> people good. get lost on a river before. Are they, you know, it goes one way. People. Yeah, it goes one way. Yeah. I Well, so when you start a trip with someone that's not familiar with the river and you, you put in at a boat landing and then you get to where you're going to take out, they look around and go, where's my car? Yes. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like 12 miles. Yeah. <laughs> Walk. <laughs> oh, so bear falling from the sky. Bear droppings. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to go with. Okay. 
All the way to the end of the episode before we get the title, huh? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you have any questions for Fred or want to know more about North 40 Fly Shop, you can find all the show notes for this episode and all the other episodes of War No Dam Experts at warnodamexperts.com. If you have any direct questions for me, just email me at information at visitgreatfalls.org or give me a call at 406-761-4434. That was not our number. 406-761-4436. Okay, so that's not it. <laughs> it. Like we said, it's been like a month since we've been recording. It was all perfect. Yeah, it was all good. And I'm like, that's not our number. Well, you didn't have to correct me. You know, no one's called me yet saying they called directly from the podcast. I've had other people call and say, well, I'm listening to this podcast right now. And it says I'm supposed to go see the falls. And I'm like, that's me. <laughs> You're listening to me. You're listening to me. Well, Fred, we appreciate you coming in, hanging out with us, telling us all the things we need to know about fly fishing in the Great Falls area. So make Great Falls your base camp. Come in, get your gear if you don't have it. If you do have it, stop in and find out what's hot, um, what the current hot topic is for the fish at the fly shop. You'll probably see Fred there. And um, we can't wait to have you here in Great Falls making memories the weather's a little hot, so if you want to wait until it cools down just a little bit, September is still a good time to come fishing. September is awesome. Yeah, it's going to snow at the end. Yep. <laughs> middle, to, middle to end of September. <laughs> Chances are good for snow, but good goodness, it'll be a lot less hot than it is now. There we go. Six weeks until our first winter, and then we'll go into a little bit of fall, maybe summer again. <laughs> Second and yep. summer. Yeah, we're ready for it. So we're ready for you here, ready for you to come here to Great Falls. We are prepared. So thanks for listening. We've had a blast. And until we see your bright, smiling, happy face here in Great Falls, we hope you're creating amazing memories with your friends and family. Bye-bye. Tight lines. We are no damn experts as the recorded claims from Great Falls, Montana, covering what you need to know about this amazing damn town. Damn, that felt good. On the next episode of We're No Damn Experts, Rebecca and Maddie have someone that they constantly stalk on Instagram on the podcast. We're No Damn Experts is produced by Great Falls Montana Tourism with original music by the best damn musician, Joel Corda. <laughs>